0: Get my shoes and out the door. Five, I'm alive. Six, seven, eight. Feeling great. Nine, Hello, BYWG Tribe. Here's a quick less than one minute review of our supplement program and book of the month for August. At the end of the podcast, I will spend a few extra minutes going into finer details. So we encourage you to listen to the end. The supplement of the month for August is our newest premium formulation, Vitamin C boost. The 10% discount code for the month is lowercase B-O-O-S-T-10. That's boost 10. It is case sensitive. Our book of the month is The Serpent and the Butterfly, The Seven Laws of Healing by Dr. Ben Reeves. The program of the month is from our friend, the soul-inspired girl, Dr. Laura Foster. The program is called Reclaim Your Voice. And the 15% discount code for our listeners is capital B, capital Y, capital W, capital G. Listen to the end for more specifics. All the links, discount codes, and special offers for the program, supplement, and book will be listed in the show notes in Apple Podcast, posted on social media, in our weekly newsletter, and on our website at www.beyondyourwildestgenes.com at the
1: Listen Now tab. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome back to Beyond Your Wildest Genes Podcast. My name is Dr. Noah DeCoyer and I am your co-host, today I'm so happy to share that our guest is none other than Dan Milman author of the way of the peaceful warrior many books in between most recently the hidden School and something that I just finished the audio program the complete peaceful warriors way Dan thank you so much for being on today uh, I, I can't tell you how much I'm uh, how uh, how glad I am to have you here today
2: Well, it's a pleasure to be here with you and have a chance to share a conversation, Noah. I'm really glad you were able to listen to some or all of the complete Peaceful Warriors way. I feel pretty good about that program, so
1: I'm happy to talk about it. Yeah, we're definitely going to get there without a doubt. Let me share a a small part of your bio, and then we'll get started. Uh, Dan Millman, a former world champion athlete, Stanford University coach, martial arts instructor and Oberlin College professor, has authored 16 books published in 29 languages, including his classic Way of the Peaceful Warrior, uh, released as a film that uh, many of you have probably watched with Nick Nolte by Universal in 2007. A popular international speaker, Dan has influenced people from all walks of life. Learn more about his books, speaking events, and online courses, audio programs, and his life purpose guidance at www.peacefulwarrior.com. Now, now, Dan, there's going to be some people out there that haven't read Way the Peaceful Warrior or don't know who you are. Could you flesh your bio out just a little bit to uh, give our audience an introduction?
2: Sure. Happy to do that. I was... As a kid, you know, I loved swinging on ropes and climbing trees. I was small but agile and ended up discovering an old trampoline in a backyard Um, and loved jumping up and down. And I never, never believed or even imagined beyond my wildest dreams that jumping up and down in a trampoline would lead to a scholarship to UC Berkeley uh, and a coaching job at Stanford University and the rest of my life. Um, I just followed what I loved doing, and that's all I knew. And I, I, you know, I even as a kid, I never really aimed for success, but something inside of me aimed for excellence, and so I just did the best I could at everything I, I did, and I followed my heart. I mean, it sounds like a cliche, but it led to um, an involvement with how to create talent for sport because I was an athlete and a coach, um, and, and it seemed to me that talent was maybe 20% innate or inherited, our body type, for example, but that um, we could develop talent. And and I define talent as the ability to learn faster and easier and rise to higher level. Um, That Most people would agree with that definition uh, when we call somebody talented. And it seemed to me that we could develop that. So I began to experiment. And when I was coaching at Stanford, um, rather than focusing on the skills of gymnastics, We worked on that foundation of talent, developing um, in each athlete strength, flexibility, coordination, rhythm, timing, balance, reflex speed. And my experiment did work out – In my theory worked out in practice. The team went from the bottom of the conference when I began coaching there to about three and a half years later. We had one of the top three teams in the United States and I I coached the top U.S. Olympian. So – I might still be coaching today. It's an honorable profession. But I realized that being able to do somersaults and handstands and cartwheels and so on, that didn't help me that much when I went out on a date (laughs) or or when I got married, had children, dealt with financial challenges, career decisions, and the other challenges of everyday life. So I started asking bigger questions. How can we develop talent not just for sport but for – everyday life, for the, the challenges in relationships and relationships and those things we meet in, in our everyday lives. So that question led me around the world. I studied with various mentors for an intensive at least a decade before I began to think about writing a book. And through a weird series of coincidences, I ended up calling that book uh, Way of the Peaceful Warrior. And the last thing I'll say in response to your question for now is that the term peaceful warrior, for those not really familiar with it, um, is about all of us because every one of us is striving to live with a peaceful heart, you know less stress, less tension, more gracefully flowing with life. But also there are times we need a warrior spirit um, to face the challenges of everyday life. So that's how I came up with the term, the idea, and eventually my experiences led to that book, which began a series of books. And that's what I've been doing ever since.
1: Uh, As you mentioned, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior, that was released in 1980 with many books in between. Uh, Where and why did the desire to write, uh, most recently, The Hidden School come from? And then, even more recent, the the complete uh, Peaceful Warrior's Way audio program.
2: You know, I was very much, perhaps like many of your listeners, I was into self-improvement. Noah, um, I, I took speed reading courses and, and uh, memory courses, uh, did gymnastics, martial arts, and so on. And one day, I don't know when it was, but at some point I realized no matter how much I improved myself, uh, which is a great thing to do, of course, but still only one person benefited but if I could somehow influence the lives of other people, if I could reach out and touch, you know, somehow in a more positive way, it made my life more meaningful. Not everybody is called to do that, but I was called to teach, to express, to influence. And I didn't know how I was going to do it. I, I, I had to learn something about the skills of writing and, and speaking in order to do that. And I started small. You know, I recommend to anybody, and this is what I practice, is great to dream big, but start small and then connect the dots, because that is how we can turn what we know into what we actually do. It's the most effective way to start small. So that's what I did. You know, when I started teaching, I five people would show up in my living room. We'd sit in a circle, and I, we, they put five dollars or ten dollars in a basket. Uh, contribution and, and we talk about life. And I drew upon all the resources I learned from coaching, from training in athletics, and later on, more resources from working with unusual mentors um, and more techniques and ideas for uh, improving our lives. And so that's what impelled me to, to do that. And it started out, I was writing articles for a gymnastics magazine. I was contributing, I wasn't making any money at it. I just did it because I loved writing these articles. Uh, I was a coach, and it was helping with recruiting and so on. And this series of articles grew thick before I sent them in, and I realized for the first time, wow, that almost looks like a a book manuscript. And that was the first time it ever occurred to me, wow, I might actually write a whole book. Because, you know, in college, like many of us, a 10-page paper was intimidating. So I wasn't different from that. I was like anybody. uh, But I started sharing. I wanted to share what I had learned and put it together in such a way it was based on autobiographical material about my life, a young gymnast in college, um, but contained some elements, fictional elements as well for the sake of the story to convey that. Uh, And I I thought a few college students might like it. I had no idea the book would get the response for almost 40 years now that it has and continues to do. Um, and I didn't write another book for 10 years. I had, I felt it said what I had to say, but then meeting new teachers and new influences, I got so excited about certain ideas I wanted to share that I ended up writing a book almost every year since then.
1: I have to tell you, Dan, my, my son, my 12 year old son for the first time met Socrates in your book last night.
2: Oh, wow. Isn't that great?
1: Yeah, so so, I interviewed somebody about six months ago, and he told, and, and this person told me his father used to put a monetary value to certain books that he wanted his son to read, and then after he, his son read it, um, they would discuss it, and he would, you know, basically pay him, you know, kind of a, an incentive. So I decided that the way of the peaceful warrior would be the first book that I did that with my son, and he's a pretty avid reader, but I never did, I never tried this kind of tactic. So. Uh, he met Socrates last night, so it was pretty
2: good. What great. a great practical idea. Your son can say, you know, my first job, I was paid to read great books. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, I mean, what? that's not a bad first job. Many of us would like to do that for our life.
1: Uh, I, 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 yes. I, I, the one thing I'm best at is learning and reading, for sure. Now, um, Dan, can, can you go into a little bit of depth on the three lessons of the hidden school, paradox, humor, and change?
2: I'd be happy to. Uh, and again, to put it in context, um, uh, the Hidden School is my third and final book in the Peaceful Warrior trilogy. But it's really odd, you know. My life, you no, know, honestly, is a little bit looks more like uh, improvisational comedy rather than strategic planning, because I, I really didn't set out to write three books that were not sequels. The first one is the main book, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior, but there were pages there were There was information missing from that first book. Many people read it and said well, i didn 't see anything missing, but I just referred to these times I traveled around the world and experiences and teachers I met uh, So I wrote Sacred Journey of the Peaceful Warrior ten years later and thirty seven years after writing the first book, I completed it by by inserting another expanded slice of that original story. Uh, in the form of The Hidden School. And in the original book, Way of the Peaceful Warrior, the old man I called Socrates, you know, I met a real old flesh and blood guy in 1966 in, in an old Texaco station. He was an, an all-night strip station mechanic. And he wouldn't tell me his real name, but he reminded me of the old Greek, so I started calling him Socrates. So he was based on a real old guy. And um, he handed me a business card, as the story tells, um, and it said on it, uh, Peaceful Warrior Inc., uh, Proprietor Socrates, specializing in paradox, humor, and change. These seem like three key ideas that he dealt with, and we didn't go into a lot of depth until The Hidden School. And let's start with change. Um Change, you know, life comes at us, many of us have noticed, life comes at us in waves of change that we cannot predict or control. Uh, small things that happen, sometimes big things, um, but we can learn to surf those waves. That is a fundamental life skill, one of those talents for living, going with the flow. We've heard it many ways, uh, rather than resisting, it's accepting our reality Uh, as any good martial artist might do. He's not going, why is that person attacking me? Um, I wish it hadn't, you know, it didn't happen. Uh, It's not fair. All these resistance things. Instead, we go, this is what's happening. Let's respond to it in a positive, constructive way. Going with the flow. So uh, that is a fundamental element of Sock's teaching, dealing with change. And he points out when life is going great for us, we don't want change. You know, we want everything to stay the same. We want to stay the same. We want life around us and other people to stay the same. But when life is not going well, when there's something we want, uh, difficulty, then we, we seek change, mostly in other people in the world around us. But eventually we reach the point we realize it's us who has to change. But then we say, well, how? What kind of change can help me to – Improve my life, and we can go into that a little later. But I just wanted to summarize the idea of of change. It's a obviously a, an innate part of life, and we have to learn to address it. The second part is humor, and by humor, I don't obviously humor is all around us. My wife and I are, you know, re- revisiting the old TV series Friends. Incredible writing, very funny show. Um, most of us know about the show Friends, for example, and there are comedians and people, People who are witty, and we laugh, and it's great to laugh. But the humor Socrates was referring to was much different. It was cosmic humor. It was recognizing that life is a game. We play as if it matters. That sense of divine detachment, rising above the things of life, where we just can nod and smile and say, yes, this too. So we don't take ourselves or the changing currents of everyday life, politics, the news, Quite as seriously. It doesn't have the power anymore to toss us and punch us and toss us right and left and cause all these reactions and raise blood pressure and all that. Instead, we just have a, a, a kind of a detached wisdom and humor about um, human life. Uh, you know, Mark Twain once said, I had many troubles in my life, most of which never happened. <laughs> and that's kind of cosmic humor. We realize, yeah, most many of our troubles you know, never – they're up in our heads. Barbara Rasp wrote, the lesson is simple, but the student is complicated. And that's, that uh, touches upon that idea of of cosmic humor. Um, there are quotes. You know, it's been a hobby of mine for almost 40 years, collecting quotations. I have thousands of quotations. I share with people a couple of week on Facebook and Twitter, um, and, and it's fun. It's a nice way to reach out to people. So, for example, I can tell a story. I think you've heard it. It was probably on The Complete Peaceful Warrior's Way, uh, which summarizes you know, elements from all my books and, and my teachings on uh, this audio program. Um, for example, if we view life, you know, Earth is a divine or perfect school and daily life is our classroom, um, we notice that lessons repeat themselves until we learn them. Many of us will nod our head and go, yeah, that seems to be true. And if we don't learn easy lessons, they get more dramatic, which brings to mind that story uh, about the uh, the man named Ralph was given a parrot, beautiful bird. He loved the bird. It was very clever and talked. However, he soon learned that someone had taught this parrot to curse like a sailor. He had an incredible vocabulary uh, that would embarrass John when his mother came and friends visited. This bird would let loose with really shocking invective and. He tried everything to reform the bird. He played affirmations and new age music and so on. Uh, Sent him to a bird psychiatrist, but nothing seemed to work. And finally, Ralph reached the end of his patience and he grabbed the bird who was cursing at the time, opened the freezer door, shoved him into the freezer and closed the door. And he heard muffled cursing and squawking in there, but then dead silence. And he said, oh, I didn't mean to hurt the bird. And he, and he reached inside, and, and, and the bird walked out on his arm, shivering but otherwise fine, stood on Ralph's shoulder and said in Ralph's ear, Ralph, I had a revelation in, in there. I realize my behavior needs improving, and my language could, you know, could be a lot cleaner. And, and I resolved to improve in the future, and I, I'd like to ask your forgiveness. Well, Ralph was really pleased, you know, by this radical change. Um, but then the bird added, by the way, Ralph, um, I found in the freezer while I was in there, there was a headless chicken wrapped in plastic. Can you tell me what the chicken did wrong? <laughs> you, you know, I think that story was on the program. <laughs> yeah. uh, and that's, again, cosmic humor. It reminds us the bird wanted to learn the easier lesson, not the harder one. And so it's it's I like that kind of humor that instructs us all, that reminds us uh, of and guides us through our lives. So that's too I hope I haven't waxed on too long. No, not at all. No. Okay, well those are the, that's about the change in humor, some elements of that. But the most important of what's element of what Socrates taught me was paradox. And that is the key that I finally was able to address in the hidden school. Um, How that understanding paradox, using it as a key, can help us to reconcile uh, and resolve some major questions of philosophy that underlie actually all of our lives, that provide it meaning and a foundation of of understanding. So that's why paradox is so important. But uh, rather than go on and talk about that more, maybe you have some comments.
1: No, not not in terms of those. No, I I really – I wanted to – I just Personally, I wanted to, I wanted to hear what you had to say about those three terms, and I wanted the audience to hear about it. I don't have too much too much to say. I, I do have one more comment on the hidden school. Sure. Um, n- near the end of hidden school, you write something like this: uh, Socrates sent me on a journey somewhere to find a hidden school, and I come back to realize the hidden school is everywhere.
2: Yes, and and you know it's almost a given. Most of us understand that. Um, the story, as you know, is an adventure. It's a quest, and it's uh, semi-autobiographical about Dan Milman, the character, um, my quest uh, to f- find a book that Socrates had lost in the desert uh, while in a feverish delirium. And I'm, so I'm, I'm going from the Mojave Desert. I won't tell what happens, but, well, as you might guess, there is a sort of book there. Um I end up in Hong Kong, a forest in China, and there's a hidden school I find in a forest in China. This is decades ago, uh, during uh, the end of Chairman Mao's life. Um, So I'm in this hidden school, in this hidden forest, and later on I end up in Japan, which was my original destination, uh, studying the, uh, kind of a, a Zen Roshi for a brief time and confronting death in various ways because that's another theme in the book. However, um, yeah, the truth of it is Socrates says to me, you know, you, you believed you'd find the hidden school and wisdom in the east, so that's where I sent you. But clearly it's in every village, town, and city. Uh, whenever we're paying attention, you've heard that saying, Noah, that When the student is ready, the teacher appears. Many of us think, oh, I'll get a teacher like Socrates to guide me up the path. But really what that statement means is when the student is ready or actually paying attention, then the teacher appears everywhere, everywhere. Our friends, our adversaries in everyday life Uh, on the the complete peaceful warrior's way. I, I share a story about how a cloud taught me a valuable lesson, changed my life in some sense. So we while we're paying attention, teachers are all around us. And people say, yeah, but I wish I had a teacher like Socrates, like you had. And I'm going, well, he, you do. That's why I wrote the book, so my teachers could become yours. I'm not trying to hoard what I've learned. I want to share it.
1: Right, right. Now, no, I thoroughly enjoy that book and I encourage everybody to grab it I have not personally read sacred journey of the peaceful warrior I will pick that up but I have read hidden school and the way of the peaceful warrior and I have uh, and I completed it Monday I completed your most recent work the uh, complete peaceful warriors way audio program you know you can get on Amazon audible or even uh, sounds true but um, like you've already mentioned that that, that kind of takes into consideration All all your different books and all your different teachings and all your different learnings, it kind of condenses it in six and a half hours, correct?
2: Yes, it does Um, because I know many people, you know, people are busy. So many books, so little time and even people who really loved Way of the Peaceful Warrior didn't necessarily read the second, third, fourth, fifth and all the books I've written. There are people who have and when I have a new book out, they read it. But for most people, they've read Peaceful Warrior, maybe seen the movie and I wanted to give them a flavor of the, the really vast expanse of information I've been exposed to through various mentors. And in fact, my last book, I expect the next one I'm going to write is going to be a memoir and it will reveal the story behind the story and the f- four major mentors other than Socrates who influenced my life and work. But it's really about going to be about the spiritual search and the, the benefits and pitfalls of that search. Um, so, yeah. So I just thought I would, would mention that, that the the, the the complete Peaceful Warrior's Way provides elements of different facets uh, of what I've learned that I so wanted to share and found important. So at least I give highlights uh, on that program. And something that I only touch upon in the program is the, the, the idea of paradox, which is covered in The Hidden School. And I guess one of the best ways to describe paradox, you know, many of us confuse it with irony. We go, oh, paradox, what is that? It's hard to define for many people. But really, it's two apparently contradictory statements that are both true. And for example, um, in the famous book, uh, Tale of Two Cities, Charles Dickens opens the book with those famous lines, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. And he goes on to describe other pairs, opposite pairs, that are all true. Uh, we could argue today is the best of times. We could also argue in a debate, for example, um, how it's the worst of times. So two opposite things can be true. Um, a spider is a vicious, bloodthirsty, merciless a killer from the viewpoint of a fly caught in its web. But from your viewpoint or mine – Um, A spider, you know, 99.8% of spiders on the planet are essentially harmless to human beings. So a spider is also a fragile, timid, harmless, artistic little web spinner, which is true. Merciless killer, a harmless web spinner. Both are true, depending upon our viewpoint. And so if I raise four major questions of philosophy, I can say this. Does time exist? Yes. Is time an illusion? Yes. Do we have free will? Yes. Is free will an illusion? Yes. Are we each a separate self? Yes. Are we all one? Yes. Does death exist? Certainly. Is death an illusion? Absolutely. How can both those things be true? Well, I explain that in The Hidden School. Um, how they can both be true from different levels of reality. Whether we're coming from conventional reality, which we need to, we need to pay attention to the conventions of everyday life. Uh, and but there, we also have a inner yearning. Most of us, something is missing. Even if we're very successful, there's got to be just more than news, weather, and sports every day. And so, (laughs) yes,
1: there does. There
2: absolutely does. You know, there's the transcendent level, and that is why there's religion. That's why there are spiritual practices, and monks and and uh, uh, sages from every tradition who are seeking that transcendent. And here's another paradox. You know, they say with enlightenment, everything changes and nothing changes. Now we can understand that better. From a conventional view, nothing changes. Enlightenment, well, it might give us a little more relaxed approach to life, a little more cosmic humor. Um, But it doesn't get the plumbing fixed. It doesn't make money. Uh, It doesn't help us succeed or unleash our power or all those things people are interested in. It's not a form of self-improvement. But from a transcendent level, everything changes. We finally see the punchline to the cosmic joke. And it's those who of us who have had experiences and glimpsed that state that waking up, we realize how how important it is, even though it it could be said to be almost irrelevant in our daily dealings in everyday life, so that's another paradox
1: one of the things in the program that really piqued my interest was uh, and i did, i had didn't know this until then was uh, some of your interest in study I guess, I guess it's numerology and using that and your date of birth for <clears throat> uh, helping you develop your your life's purpose um, that that was really fa- that was fascinating to me uh, and it's a and I'm sitting you want to talk about paradox I'm saying to myself how could my birth date have anything to do with my purpose yet I'm extremely intrigued by it and I've downloaded the app and I've started to investigate a little bit more about it um, uh how, how did you come about uh, – where did this come about?
2: Sure, sure.
1: Yeah, and, and uh, by the way,
2: the app you're referring to in case your listeners want to know is the Life Purpose app. That's what it's called. So any, anybody can actually go to my website and uh, click on Life Purpose Um, And they will uh, see a a, a life purpose calculator. They just put in their date of birth and they'll get a taste, just a sample, a paragraph or so about their life path. And there are 45 different life paths for people born um, since 1900. And the the way I would put it is this. Yes, it's based on the date of birth. You know, I was never really interested in numerology, Noah. I I, I glanced at a few books and they seemed abstract and vague to me with this – path that path destiny path soul path i didn't know what it all meant and, and it didn't it maybe just didn't seem that accurate then i met a rather unusual mentor i will be writing about in my next and final book uh, in a few, few years um and he did a reading for me he sat me down and said dan you're going to be doing people some good in the future i hadn't read, written any books oh yeah i had written way of the peaceful warrior at the time but no other books and he said um He told me things about my life that I could not believe how clear. I said, you know me better than I know myself. How can you know this about me? And my life crystallized in a way uh, that it hadn't before. You know, Lily Tomlin, uh, the actress, comedian, once said, I always wanted to be somebody. Maybe I should have been more specific. (laughs) So this material he, he told me about myself um, crystallized it and made it more specific. Gave me a handle on my life in a way I hadn't had. And when he said he was teaching an advanced – now, I asked him, I said, are you psychic? He said, no, but I've been trained to know where to look, which intrigued me. So when he announced he was going to be teaching an advanced training on an island in Hawaii, um, there was no way I was going to miss that. And I showed up there and uh, – he taught about twenty people the fundamentals of this system, what I call the life purpose system. And yes, it's based on date of birth, so it is a numerological system. It just happens to be clear, focused, direct, accurate, practical. Um, and not only did it, did it was does it give insight into one's life, but there are certain key universal or spiritual laws that help us overcome the hurdles by applying them in our life on our life path. So that's a bit about. Um, uh, The system, but the way I would explain it, the only way I know how to explain it, because I don't know how it works either. How does our adding up the numbers of our date of birth give valid, reliable, accurate information? Uh, Deepak Chopra called it amazingly uncanny um, in its accuracy, but he's not alone. <laughs> if you look on on Amazon, the many, many, many reviews uh, of the book. So let's say this: if um, if we look at a tree outside, doesn't matter where the tree is. Chances are there is not a single tree on the planet exactly like that tree in terms of the angle of every branch, stem, and leaf. So each of us is unique in that way. Um, we're not just numbers or a birth date or anything like that. And many people share the same birth date or same birth number. So we're each unique. But we can say things about aspens or oaks or birch trees that are different from other trees. So even though we each live our own unique story, our own unique life, we follow certain patterns that work out in the, for some people more in the positive or mature, others more in the negative or immature. And that is how our lives shape, but how they also fit into these patterns. And that's what I share. Now, how the date of birth is related to all of it, I can't say for sure, but it has to do with knowledge that we haven't un- uncovered yet um, in, in science of how we're connected to the stars, the planets, it's similar to astrology in that way. Um, one can't explain that either. Uh, it's more art than science, but there is some connection to our destiny and our life paths. So it does lend insight and clarity into people's lives, and again, people can just get a little taste by looking uh, at the life purpose link. It's free, you know, at my website.
1: Yeah, I'm going I'm to do a little more investigation. It's uh, it's pretty pretty interesting. Now, I, two two final uh, questions, I guess you could say, kind of round off every interview I do. <clears throat> First one is uh, for our audience. They like this and I like it, day in the life of Dan Millman, from waking to sleeping. Like, what does what a normal day for you look like?
2: Sure. I'll take any typical day. Uh, as soon as I open my eyes, as soon as I wake up, I actually – and this may sound a little extreme, but it's just how my life is shaped up. I, I begin doing some isometric exercises because morning is my exercise time. Um, I start my day that way, and I do um, – I won't go into the, the specific isometrics, but for the, the, the quads, uh, the core, um, stretching my neck certain ways, releasing tension from the neck, because I'm a writer and that can happen, uh, and it's, and to strengthen it and release tension, because conscious tension can release chronic tension. Um, so my neck's been in great shape uh, since I started doing this. Then I, I do some stretches in my leg um, before I even get out of bed, quietly, not to disturb my wife. Then... I do um, the Peaceful Warrior Workout, which as you may know, um, I've I've practiced every day for, well, I guess now it's about 35 years. Every single day I do this workout, and it's designed to be completed in less than four minutes a day. Uh, It's based on the principle, a little of something's better than a lot of nothing. Um, So I always base my workout on this core, Peaceful Warrior Workout, and I teach that as an online course, again, through my website. But I do that, but I've added things that kind of like physical therapy at my age. You know, I, I, do, <laughs> I do various things for the hips and the knees, and uh, I do push ups and handstand push ups and all that. So I add things to that basic workout. Um, and that, that, then I'm ready to get dressed and go about my day. You know, people ask me, at your age, Dan, do, do you still work out? And I say, yes, every day, I, every morning, I get up and first thing I run to the bathroom. <laughs> but after that, I, I do this workout routine. Then um, I go either I bike for five, six miles around Prospect Park here in Brooklyn, um, or I go for a brisk walk, or um, you know I do other things for cardio. I, I go to the Y and I do some weights um, and some swimming. So I do those things too. I stay pretty active. Uh, and I'm that's that's helped a lot it's a good core for life and then you know come home eat breakfast uh, kind of vegetarian type helpful breakfast and then email and other writing I have to do and projects and uh, enjoy conversations like this that's uh
1: that's great I I, I saw that on the website too I'm gonna check I gotta check out that four-minute workout I mean I'm a a pretty big yoga enthusiast but um, having some like you said like the, uh, having a little bit of something is better than nothing i i that could be something i could definitely integrate every day into my lifestyle so i'm going to check that out as well uh dan best best way i think we've we have fit on, on this already but best way to pick up your books programs is, is your website kind of the hub for everything
2: yeah it's a one-stop place uh, peacefulwarrior.com and It's user-friendly. We just renovated the site. And so people can find Q&A about my work, um, the life purpose material, the online courses, all my books, audios. It's it's all right there on the website.
1: Great. Do you have any last words for our audience, Dan?
2: You know, I think it's really important for us to trust our life unfolding – we tend to compare what is the good life on Facebook and social media. We want to show what a good life we're living. We're striving to live the good life. What uh, we might be missing the grandest life of all while we're all this striving is the life we're living right now. So I think it's very important to, to trust uh, our own life, not compare with other people and respect that. So that's probably what I would close with.
1: Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it.
2: been a pleasure, Noah.
1: My name is Dr. Noah DeCoyer, your co-host, and you are listening to the Beyond Your Wildest Genes podcast. If you like what you've heard today, please share this with your friends and family and encourage them to subscribe on iTunes. You can sign up for our incredible weekly email at www.beyondyourwildestgenes.com. And thank you, and as my oldest son, Hayden, says, be awesome and never unawesome.
0: So here's some more specifics. Our August Supplement of the Month is Vitamin C Boost. It is a blend of vitamin C, both as ascorbic acid and in the natural food source, the acerola cherry. Vitamin C is crucial for immune function and collagen production. It can help you sleep by lowering cortisol at night and is particularly important for cigarette smokers. We've added in grapeseed extract, glutathione, and zinc to truly make this a -a one-of-a-kind vitamin C supplement. For the entire month of August, if you use the code lowercase BOOST10, boost ten you'll receive 10% off this incredible new formulation you can pick it up at our website at com, or if you're local you can pick it up at the office just mention the code the august book of the month is The Serpent and the Butterfly The 7 Laws of Healing by Dr. Ben Reeves this is a really profound easy book to read you can listen to Dr. Mike interview Dr. Ben on the July 20th BYWG podcast our highlighted The program for August is from our friend, the soul-inspired girl, Dr. Laura Foster. The program is called Reclaim Your Voice, and the 15% discount code for our listeners is capital B-Y-W-G. Reclaim Your Voice is a 21-day online series for women who seek to speak their absolute truth with more confidence, courage, and conviction. The program begins August 10th. The link will be in the podcast show notes and weekly emails. Included will also be an invitation for female listeners to join the private Facebook group called Soul Inspired Girl, a space for heart-led women. And mind you, girl is not spelt with an I, it's spelt with a U. Thanks for listening and as always, be awesome and never unawesome.